Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of the QuietMark podcast. I'm your host, Simon Gosling, CMO at QuietMark. And QuietMark is the independent global certification program associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society Charitable Foundation. Through scientific testing and assessment, QuietMark identifies the quietest products in multiple categories spanning many sectors, including home appliances and technology, building sector materials, and commercial sector products. At the end of last year, December in fact, QuietMark announced a new partnership with MBS, a leading construction data and specification platform to empower architects to specify acoustics first by providing a shortcut for specifiers to source responsible products. The new partnership will enable the 3,600 plus practices that use MBS to create specifications to easily source and find QuietMark certified products and materials amongst the 27,000 manufacturer products listed on the platform. The aim is to elevate the aural design of buildings, optimizing the overall level of acoustic comfort for occupants. MBS is an integrated global platform for everyone involved in the design, supply and construction of the built environment. In some respects, it's a marketplace that bridges the gap between architects looking for products and manufacturers that produce them. But beyond that, it's an educational platform that shares the latest thought leadership, trends and methods with the construction and design industries as a whole. So I'm delighted to have three guests with me today, each of whom completes an important part of that puzzle. Someone from MBS, someone from Architectural Acoustics, and another person who's from the manufacturing industry. I'll let them introduce them to the show. Starting with you, please, Stephen. Yeah, hi, Simon. My name's Stephen Hamill. I'm Innovation Director at MBS. Hi, Simon. Uh, my name is Richard Grove. I am Director Europe for Inhabit. Hi, Simon. I, I'm Greg. I'm the UK Sales Director for WoodUp. So let's start with MBS. That's you, Stephen, of course. Um, Stephen, could you tell us more about the company, its service, and your role with MBS? Yeah, so MBS have two different customer types. We have uh, construction professionals that write uh, project specifications, and the other customer type is construction product manufacturers. And uh, NBS is a, a digital platform, cloud platform built with the latest technologies uh, that sort of connects both the specifier and the product manufacturer. So specifiers can write robust, up-to-date specifications covering systems, products, prelims, execution, system completion requirements, and where appropriate, uh, source the right products from the right uh, manufacturers for that job. Excellent. I don't imagine it was cloud-based 50 years ago. <laughs> no, no, well, that was 50 years ago. It was three years before uh, I was born. But the, <laughs> the, the history of the company actually is, it was formed by the, the Royal Institute of British Architects uh-huh. back in the, the early 70s. And that was before computers were affordable. And the national building specification was, was four books. Right. And uh, if an architect had a big project, They'd buy a copy of the four books. They'd get out their pen, scribble and cross out the things that weren't relevant, make things project specific. And uh, then it would, it would go to a typist who'd type it up and that would be the the, 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 the construction specification for that, that project. Goodness me. So no wonder on your platform where you've got lots of information being shared, one of the titles is MBS Chorus helps engineers at Adler and Allen to work more efficiently. And to quote there, paper they say before mbs chorus i would spend about 80 hours completing a mechanical specification now it only takes about 20 hours which is a massive reduction meaning i've got more time to work on other projects and don't have to work late into the night 
So Richard, I should go over to you as an architectural acoustician. Have you found it saved you time not having to work into the night? Tell us some more about, but actually let's rewind a bit, Richard, because you, of course, were the star of episode one of the Quiet Mark podcast all those two years ago. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, Simon. Of course, then you were on um, an episode with Colin Ball during your time at BDP. You're now at Inhabit. So Bring us up to date on where you are now and then answer the question about uh, the time, hopefully, that MBS is saving you and how you work with specifications. Yes. So, um, as you say, I've recently moved over to uh, Inhabit and we're a global interdisciplinary um, group of architects, engineers, uh, designers and uh, people who have come out of the contracting industry as well. And we offer a holistic um design solution across facades, acoustics, lighting, and sustainable design uh, to architects all the way from early design um, stages, stage one, stage two of the REBA um, plan of work, all the way through to construction. And that includes everything from procurement consulting, um, as well as uh, the, the shop drawings and shop drawing checking. So it really is a full gamut of services. And um, I mean, I've been working in acoustics now for 17, 18 years or so. Uh, over that time, I have to say, and this is a, I apologize to Stephen for this, because uh, <laughs> over that time, um, I don't think I've had a direct involvement or a direct co- contact with an NBS specification other than as a reviewer. Um, typically, as an acoustic, uh, acoustic engineer, acoustic consultant, we would uh, provide our specification which would be a, a, a document to an architect or a specifier who would then input it into the specification so you can see immediately there there's a degree of interpretation that goes on with what you've written there's um, potential for error to creep in um, and there's all sorts of other potential issues that may arise when you do something when you do it in that method so i can see the partnership that uh, you guys have created here between QuietMark and NBS as being very good for the acoustics industry as a whole, but also very good for ensuring that we des- that the buildings we design fundamentally get built in the exact way with the exact intent to which we design them. I read in the introduction there, Richard, that there are 28,000 products listed on the NBS platform. Um, excuse the pun how do you see the wood up from the trees um we've of course greg from wood up being on the show but before we go over to greg uh, who's kindly joined us um richard when you're writing those reports that do go to a specifier maybe explain a bit more who is the specifier is it an is that someone employed at an architectural firm is it an independent consultant and when you give them that your report do you say these are the products i want do you actually name the manufacturers and the type of products well, there's an interesting nuance there, I think. Um, it, it, so to answer your first question, yeah, it, it goes generally to a, an architect or a, or a specialist specification writer. Um, we as an industry, we will cite a product, but we'll also uh, talk about or similar. Uh-huh. Now, there are good reasons for that around ensuring that we don't um, have any conflict of interest around the products we offer. I think it is perfectly reasonable for somebody to say you keep specifying x product we're not getting a look in so that's absolutely reasonable so we we try and maintain the fairness there but the the designs we um we offer are only as good as the data we have 
and uh, only as good really as as our knowledge of the product market. So again, I think this this partnership is going to be great to improve product knowledge amongst acousticians at an early stage and be able to work alongside the manufacturers as well to establish what can be done and what could be done, what the art of the possible is. So I think there's a lot of benefits to having access to these products. But at the end of it all, we will provide a performance specification that needs to be met, which product is used to meet that isn't entirely um, in our control, but it's definitely something having knowledge of the industry will assist us in, in providing something that can work. And Greg, you complete that puzzle. You are director at WoodUp, a company whose products are QuietMark certified and listed on MBS. So tell us more about that combination and how you as a manufacturer use MBS, please. So initially, before the partnership, WoodUp was a, a partner of MBS. So we, we worked together for quite some time. The partnership worked fairly well because essentially architects and designers could fairly easily log in, view our products, it wasn't just a case of being able to view photographs. They could view all of the information surrounding the product. So whether it was the light reflectance values, whether or not it was the fire certificates, or most importantly, how they worked for the acoustics. Mm -hmm. um, it was great because it was easy for them to implement that into their design. Right. However, at that moment, they were just taking our word for it. You know, although the, the actual certificates were available, the actual combination of QuietMark now joining with NBS has been great because essentially it's QuietMark very much have been able to, as a third party, say how well our products would work in certain spaces. But because it's independent, mm -hmm. essentially, you know, you're not actively selling our products. And it, it's, it's great because anybody, any specifier who's coming in can have a look at the product and basically make up their own mind. There are so many products out there. Uh, like Richard was saying, it's, it's very difficult to basically specify one specific product, but it's nice to be able to see from a third party the pros and cons of using different products that are on the market, whether or not it's the wood up panel, or it's a, a similar concept, because as much as our product works for some surroundings, it might not work for every surrounding. And it's being able to use a, a platform such as NBS to search for, for different criteria, depending on what the values of the project might be, or what the, the actual specification of the room needs to be. So if it's primarily for the acoustics that you're looking for, mm -hmm. or if it's more a sustainability side of things, or so on. There's so many different ways you can search with NBS for different products to meet your criteria, but it's just nice being able to be met easily on NBS, but also talked about from a third party perspective by QuietMark. Is Stephen here again, or similar conversations, one that for the last 10, 20 years always comes up at conferences and things. And uh, if I give five pounds to my son and say, go to the supermarket and get me some fairy liquid or similar, he's gonna get the cheapest washing up liquid and pocket the change. <laughs> I think when maybe you can't specify a manufacturer bribe brand, the, the terminology that's used in the specification is so important where maybe you say submit proposals, would it is deemed to comply? And then 
you list those technical characteristics as minimum spec and maybe have that third party certification, quiet mark or BBA or what have you, to really get that tight, robust specification. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, it's a reasonable suggestion there, I think, Stephen, to try and word it in a way that can give some steer. I think where I can see the uh, partnership being extremely beneficial is, is essentially having product awareness. So we're not working in, in the dark with uh, trying to provide specifications just simply based on values or minimum performance requirements. We actually know what um, that, that, that specification can be achieved and it may be achievable by a certain range of products. But the reality is, is, is by having that knowledge early on and being able to access it um, and access the certification. Also, um, I'm sure the whole industry is speaking about this as well. It's accessing the um, what, what we need to know around the wider elements. So things around sustainable credentials, things around fire and actually getting that coordination early on in a product selection that um, mitigates any later conflicts in in terms of uh, requirements so we can really narrow that product down earlier i think qs's will will appreciate it and i think as well from an acoustician's perspective engaging with that cost element is going to be critical in ensuring that we're balancing sustainability credentials with something that works within the employer's budget um something that we maybe necessarily haven't done as much of in the past um, so platforms like this just give us that access. And I think access to information, once we have that access, then then we can really start to contribute more into the specification process. Going back to your phrase, or similar, we all shop online. And when we do, we know that platforms, you choose an item and they say, people who bought this, often bought these two or it gives suggestions to similar types of products does um mbs offer suggestions when people are choosing a wood up of other products that might go with that is that built into the system yeah there's two, two or three things there so yes you can search for like on the mbs source platform that has all of the manufactured products you can search for a certain performance 60 minute uh, fire rating and then classify it by exactly what you're looking for. So then you'll see, for example, all metals or sets or all timbers or sets. Uh, equally, suggestions are given that link parent systems with candidate products. So if you say I'm building a modular ceiling system, then the candidate products like the fasteners, the structure, the infill units are all there as suggestions, oh. initially generically. So infill units, you want metal infill unit or mineral fiber. And then once you pick that generic specification on the right hand side in the specification platform, that's where the relevant manufacturer products are positioned. So then you can browse through SES, Armstrong, whoever, and find the, the product that's, that, that's, that's right for that particular context and project. I mentioned at the top of the show that you are also an education platform and uh, I know this only too well because QuietMark are currently preparing a CPD for uh, Reba. And so I went online onto your uh, website and there was uh, five top tips to deliver engaging CPDs, which I'm reading avidly. It says, even with lockdown, CPD remains an opportunity for manufacturers to raise awareness of their brand and products with specifiers, even when they aren't working on construction projects. So tell us more if you wouldn't mind, please, 
uh, Stephen, about how brands are using uh, CPDs to raise awareness of their, their products and the case studies that they're used in. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fascinating topic. And I'd be interested in Richard's views maybe after this as well. But before you actually get to specific products, you're in that discovery phase. And the different ways you can discover uh, products and brands, all of the manufacturers on MBS source have the ability just to keep on putting case studies up. So here's examples of where fantastic outcomes have been achieved. But in addition to that, you also have the partnership we have with RIBA, with the RIBA CPD, where manufacturers and other suppliers of services to construction professionals can talk knowledgeably about a particular subject or topic which is relevant to their expertise, be that acoustics or fire safety or lighting or what have you. And I think the pandemic was fascinating in terms of how the delivery of that changed. So if you go back to sort of February 2020, a lot of people would be jumping in their BMW or Mercedes, driving to an architect's office, getting some sandwiches from Marks and Spencers and doing a face-to-face session and maybe doing two of them a day. They might live in Wales, drive across the London, do two sessions a day. Once the pandemic happened, people realised you couldn't do that. People weren't in offices and everybody jumped on Teams and Zoom and uh, Mm. WebEx and things and found out you could do four knowledge sessions a day. You could capture all the email addresses, follow them up as leads. And it was just amazing to see how an entire industry pivoted in terms of how you absorb and how you deliver knowledge through using digital technologies. So you're saying there's a lot of people that are crying because their BMWs have been taken away. <laughs> Sitting in garages. <laughs> just, just in terms of how we promoted our products, I remember going all the way to London, staying overnight and presenting to 25 people in some lecture theatre. The first webinar we had was like 1,800, 2,000 people on it, all registering with email addresses. Oh, well, you just fed me another question there, Stephen, because that goes from the local to the global. MBS, local or global? Yeah, so back when we started in the 70s, it was very much local. It was just for architects and the, the, the content templates referenced the British standards. But but now in 2022, we've got uh, offices in Canada, in Australia, and we're part of uh, the wider big factor group of uh, companies uh, with, with sort of like offices in the Nordics, the USA now. And just in the UK, we've got the Glenagan a business which is part of big factor nps and in republic of ireland we have a assist as well excellent greg you're um global in your distribution i understand yeah so we only launched in the uk uh, maybe three years ago now um except about seven years ago we launched the product in denmark and it's never really looked back so i think the pandemic really is the thing that projected us forwards so we over the pandemic we actually launched in spain portugal italy germany the us uh, just to name a few right um and i think for a number of reasons the pandemic really helped us and i think primarily it was to do with the acoustics um although our our panels are an acoustic product they're also decorative so a lot of people have installed them for the decorative look but in reality i think during the pandemic a lot of people maybe didn't realize, yeah, that their, their kettle sounds like a jet engine or, <laughs> you know, the, the washing machine is incredibly loud and all of these other things. And when you're sat in, in potentially, certainly speaking to myself in, in London in a small flat, you really know and really notice things that maybe you hadn't noticed before. I think because of that, acoustics 
certainly over the pandemic have become a really big talking point more so than ever before yeah absolutely it's um over the course of my career acoustics has become increasingly more mainstream in people's thinking and particularly in designers thinking so you're absolutely right um it was something that was on the cards and was bubbling under the surface for a while and then it only took a global pandemic and and people are talking about it more so hopefully we don't need anything so extreme <laughs> next time to introduce another new concept um but uh it's what I think people have realized isn't just the uh, level of sound that you experience or how how we've spoken about it in the past, how noisy things are, but it's the quality of the sound and the quality of your sound environment. So this sort of global quietening perhaps isn't that at all. It's just the change of the quality of the sounds that we hear. And I think that has therefore made it much more uh, prevalent in people's minds in terms of uh, how that can affect their health and well-being and we don't experience buildings through single senses we go in and experience it as a multi-sensory being so to that end where we've often focused a lot on the visual aspects now people are starting to look at the slightly more intangible element of sound mm. and understand how that needs to work but i think um you're absolutely right as well from the decorative element something needs to look good it needs to work for all the senses so it needs to look good and it needs to fit with the architectural intent as much as it needs to sound good or contribute to that sound environment so there's 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 two key elements there that i think by understanding products more and understanding what those products offer and the sort of the sound quality they can offer in a space aesthetically as well as acoustically got a much better chance of getting these products into buildings and making buildings and environments sound better which is really our modus operandi greg absolutely what you're saying about the decorative element being um important um when we design open plan spaces we're looking to perhaps zone the acoustics so your product how would you be able to use it in terms of creating zones within larger spaces so depending on the space depending on the working environment what the space is going to be used for it is possible to create zonal areas maybe for uh, small meetings maybe for phone conversations or, or whatever the space is to be used for it's possible to localize the sound qualities specific to the needs of the building or the people inside of the building so certainly over the past few years the people's needs have really changed and i suppose with the pandemic it's made people really realize what they want from a working space be it a home working office or be it inside of a large workspace and it's really sort of bringing the outside inside and bringing enjoyment into spaces that that you work from or, or live in so yes, it, it can be changed. Stephen, what we're seeing happen here right in front of us on this uh, podcast is the architectural acoustician talking to the manufacturer and finding out about their product and looking at the solutions it can provide. I read online that when Chorus came out and was cloud-based, this ability to 
exchange just like that and share and interact live on a specification was what Chorus brought to the table. So facilitating these kind of conversations is really at the core of what MBS Chorus is about, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there's, there's two levels in there as well. There's the, here's all of my information at your fingertips, and you can use it without even talking to the manufacturer. Click the button, add it to the specification. But at the other end of it, it here's my contact detail. Do you want to work together on the specification, uh, either by sort of sharing a login uh, through permissions or, or even jumping on a team session together? So some of our larger manufacturers that maybe produce more complex systems or lots of products that go together, like uh, some of the large paint manufacturers, sanitary manufacturers, offer specification writing within Chorus itself. So you could put your performance requirements in, maybe send them a, a drawing of the design layout, a brief, and then they would say, okay, you need the following five or six paint systems to get that performance. You've got to put the following paint with the following primer. This is the execution. And instead of PDFs being sent back and forward and Word documents, you've got it there in a sort of collaborative platform mm. uh, where you can yeah work as collaboratively with the manufacturer or with the a specialist consultant, be that fire consultant, acoustic consultant, sustainability consultant, to, to get the right specification for that project. Great. And we also talked earlier in the program about the partnership that Quartmark and MBS have. One of the facilities that that's brought to the MBS platform, well, actually, it's similar, funnily enough, to the system that we have on johnlewis.com. We have many retail partners who are making it easier for consumers to find the quietest products. So go to johnlewis.com, look for washing machines, and there on the left-hand side, you can filter for Quartmark certified washing machines. And certainly in the couple of years that we've done that, we're now seeing John Lewis talk about achieving 10,000 quiet searches a month on johnlewis.com using that Quartmark filter. I'm really pleased to see that Quartmark filter now on MBS so people can filter for Quartmark certified products. What we saw in the John Lewis example was, and certainly accelerated again by the uh, pandemic, was that the increased use of that Quartmark button. The hope being, of course, that this partnership will also increase the use of that Quartmark button and spearhead an acoustics first approach to specification. Do you think my hopes are going to be fulfilled there, Richard, with this, the addition of this filter? Well, Simon, I think that actually we live in a world that is driven towards filtering down to exactly what we need. Um, Everything we do now um, comes with some kind of filter. Everything is about iconography um, Mm -hmm. and less so about long streams of words and all of that sort of thing. So if we can understand and offer up a filter system that gives the user that control to align with the values that they are trying to implement in this design, be they sustainability, be they health and well-being, fire, or a combination of all of these things, then that actually takes us a step further into understanding what the art of the possible is. And something I thought just now while you were um, talking about the uh, working with a manufacturer is I think optimization of products at an early stage is going to start becoming much more important and that ability for specialists to speak to manufacturers and say you have these off-the-shelf products and naturally we try to use as much as possible the -the off-the-shelf product to mitigate cost increases etc but occasionally and, and I think more and more going into the future 
that optimization will assist in optimizing all aspects of it and reducing the amount of material perhaps that's used in, in products as a result or optimizing the amount of material from a sustainability perspective. So just sort of rolling it on a bit, I think that that's actually a really useful facility as well to understand, first of all, what you can filter, what, what we need. And then secondly, if there's nothing directly that hits all of the marks is there a way that we can work with the manufacturer early on to optimize a system that then would would work I, I definitely think it's it's the way forward is is working directly with the the manufacturers because in effect yes depending on what the values are whether or not you know at the moment a lot of things are being value engineered because the cost of products is globally are are increasing every day so you know, there's so many different ways to do the same thing. And it's just trying to get specifiers, designers to understand there might be a slightly different way of doing something where you can achieve a similar look to what you want, but you can actually achieve the value of the product that you need. But I suppose most things these days come down to two things, which is time and money. So, you know, for me, the biggest thing with the link between QuietMark and NBS is the time saving. The fact that uh, a specifier, anybody who's interested in these products can get a third party opinion very quickly. They can absorb the information around whatever the subject is that they want. And then all of a sudden, where it, as you were saying earlier in the program, Simon, that it went from maybe days or weeks of being being able to write specifications into maybe hours or days. I want to just add one thing to your list of two. So you said time and money. I'm going to have risk in there as well. And that that's, could just be something like the risk of disappointment. So yes, it's on time. Yes, it's within budget. But that auditorium isn't performing as the whole point of the project w w wanted. And at the far extreme of that on risk is the risk it's it, something's ending up in court because it wasn't documented properly. Things haven't uh, been procured properly or haven't been installed properly. And, and making sure that's all documented and agreed, then you get the money, the time, and you've reduced the risk of all of the stress that comes with the job going wrong. You touch on a really important point there. One of the things about that is largely that um, uh, a specification, it was almost comprised of a lot of different reports from lots of different people recommending or, or specifying their requirement, essentially throwing down the gauntlet to the manufacturing industry to say, right, make me a product that does all of those things, please. Um, uh, that's where that value engineering or that, that head scratching and back and forth would often arise and does so still is where people are trying to resolve all of those things and saying maybe, well, Richard, you know, if we're going to get fire rating on this, we need you to make a compromise on your acoustic rating. One might argue, well, the fire is more important because that has a risk of death. And therefore, they might then say to you as the acoustician, well, you can live with a few decibels less because this guarantees that less people hmm. could die as a result of a fire. But, and, 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 and that's one of the biggest difficulties we find is when everyone throws their specifications into the big bowl of specifications to be written up in a single one, how does anyone resolve that? So 
starting that resolution process from an early stage really should hopefully reduce that period. And that normally happens during the tender period or during when somebody's actually trying to say, I'll build you your building, but I can't do your, I can't do your doors in this way or I can't do your walls in this way because of X, Y, Z. So I think that's a really important point. Um, I 100% agree with, with what you say, but I think largely it goes well back before specification. And this is years before. This is when all of the specifiers are actually learning the industry. It all goes back to education. And I think I believe you're doing apprenticeships at the moment. Is that right, Richard? That's correct, yeah. The apprenticeship scheme is something that's been a bit of a labour of love, but we are now at that moment uh, of having our first intake in 2022. LSB, you are running the apprenticeship. It's starting in September, and it's four days of working a week with one day of funded tuition over a two-year course. And the intention there is really to open up the world of acoustics, to include people from all sorts of uh, backgrounds and also uh, all, all sorts of people who engage with learning in a different way. Not everyone wants to go through an academic course. Some people learn much more practically. And to date, we've not necessarily included all those people. So we want to open up the industry as much as possible. And you're absolutely right. It's about education. It's about un uh, continuing your education. Uh, as well. So once you've once you've been able to do your apprenticeship or whatever other course you want to do to get into whichever industry you get into, it's then about understanding what um, the manufacturers are doing. It's about understanding what other consultancies are doing. It's about understanding what contractors are capable of doing. And um, a lot of that is down to absolutely down to education and broadening your horizons across things like CDM regulations. And just uh, and not just sticking to your um, own area all the time, which I think is going to be something that the apprenticeship will uh, open people's minds to the broader impact of acoustics. Where can people go, Richard, if they'd like to know more about the apprenticeship? Um, so you can go onto the hashtag Explore Acoustics website, which is on the Association of Noise Consultants website. One thing that was brought up earlier that uh, yourself, Simon, give the John Lewis example where you could filter by QuietMark and see the, the appliances that, that had QuietMark certification. And when we were just starting out on MBS Source and we had our user focus groups, so architects, engineers in the room around the table, and we were saying, well, what's really important to you when sourcing manufactured products? And not just the declaration of the performance, but the third party certification of that came out up in the sort of top three, if not the most important uh, topic. It's something like from our own platform when we, we sell, people say, how secure is it? And we've got the government third party uh, uh, certification, Cyber Essential Plus, which verifies the claims that, and I think that's so important for construction uh, product manufacturers, whether that's a BBA certificate, a BRE certificate, 
secure by design, or in particular for this podcast, uh, quiet mark as well. So in our generic spec, we have a little clause item for third-party certification. In the MBS source manufacturer library, very high up on the left-hand side, we have third-party certification as a filter as well. And just uh, maybe ask, ask ask Richard from a specifier's point of view, does that resonate with you that that, that certification is, is, is big and important? Well, absolutely. I think um, we will always turn to ISO certified documentation to substantiate the claims of manufacturers. Um, I've seen the full range of uh, charts that only have one axis labeled uh, all the way through to full ISO certification. And it's that um, we're, we're only as good as the data that we have to work with sometimes. And having that data at our fingertips or the ability to access it and also advise manufacturers where we feel that perhaps they can do more to get us better data to work with because it's a symbiotic relationship there would be is enormously helpful. And I imagine you want to hear something different than the most sustainable product ever or a fireproof panel. Tell me technically how fireproof it is and to what standard i guess exactly and and it'll become even more and more important that from a sustainability perspective that we all start engaging with that side of things and understanding what the carbon impacts are of using certain materials uh, in an embodied carbon um, sense so where we're talking about panels and, and things for room acoustics embodied carbon will be a large um, element of that but say if we're talking about the introduction of an attenuator onto a piece of plant and the restrictive airflow that might um, cause there's an operational carbon impact I'm not going to say now how we can go about quantifying those there are there are people out there who are working on this sort of thing as well I take a great interest in it but I think as professionals we all have to definitely engage with it so having all of those bits of information at our fingertips can only be extremely helpful to educate ourselves, but also educate our clients. So Stephen, Richard and Greg, thank you very much for taking the time today to come and talk to us about MBS and the way that you interact with it. It's been a fascinating conversation and we really appreciate the time that you've offered us. Have a great day. Goodbye. Thank you, Simon. See you. Cheers, guys.